Hi everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is August 18th, 2016. Before we get into our episode today, I'd like to let you know that Tokyo on Fire is growing strong. We have more than 818 subscribers. Please hit subscribe. Google loves it when you subscribe. And more importantly, they love it when you share. So please tell your friends about our show and let's shoot for a thousand subscribers. Today is Thursday, August 18th. Last week was really important on the political and historical calendar for Japan. They commemorated 71 years ago the end of the Pacific War, and a lot of things were happening on the political calendar and in our neighborhood too, Michael. Well, we had this commemoration that happens every year, and the emperor gave his speech and the prime minister gave his speech, and everyone was remarking on the various whether there's going to be apology or not apology. Prime Minister Abe, as per his want, did not have the word apology in it while the emperor did, who, and they said it's been now two years in a row that he's used this phrase, fukaku hanse, reflect feel... upon it deeply that the emperor has done this and Abe has not responded. It's all a bunch of hootie who, but I, I don't get very excited about it, but I was very interested in how now that we've gotten past the 70th anniversary, how the situation surrounding Yasukuni and visits to Yasukuni by members of the Diet and members of the cabinet have transformed themselves. So I actually went to Yasukuni. On you August were there on of, Monday. On August the 15th. A I national went. holiday. No. Uh, actually, it's not a national holiday. It is actually the almost the second to the last day of Obon. So most people aren't around. There are some people actually were coming back from their vacation, but things are still pretty sparse here in, mm -hmm. in, in Tokyo in terms of the trains are not absolutely crowded at this time of year. Still, I wanted to see what the scene was like. And uh, I, I have, my report is that it was a lot calmer than it was just two years ago on the 69th anniversary, last time I went. Uh, it's... Um, it seems to be slowing down, mm -hmm. in fact. It used to be kind of a place that you would want to avoid on the uh, day that commemorated the end of the war if you were a foreigner. No, it's not, not only if you were a foreigner, but there would be these confrontations between uh, left-wing peace activists who would actually go there. Would, you know, if you're going to go there and you're a peace activist, you're going there for a confrontation. You want to, sub, in, you'd, you'd have no business being there mm -hmm. otherwise. Uh, and they would go and they would provoke the right-wingers who were there, and there would be scuffles and, and a, the riot police that were there would have something to do. This year, the riot police had virtually nothing to do. There were hundreds of them, all armored with their helmets right. and everything, and they were just standing around because no one seemed to be interested yeah. anymore in having this internal confrontation. Well, to give people a little bit of a flavor of what Yasukuni is like on this, this very important day, I mean, a lot of the rightists go, they drag out the, the, um, the uniforms and fake the regalia, uniforms. fake not, uniforms, yeah, right, yeah. of, you know, the Imperial Army. Well, you know, there was there a few folks do that, and there are some young people. A lot of them are, are are really aged folks who do this, and it's it's all becoming kind of embarrassing to look at. Um, mm. It's it, you do get your picture in the papers or internationally spread by the wire services. It it it's right. good cosplay if you want right. to call that, but 
the spirit seems to be mm -hmm. draining out of it, or at least that was my direct impression. Right, and also the reaction from the Chinese also seemed to be a bit muted. I, I can't speak for the Chinese reaction. They, of course, got dug themselves into a huge hole here in Japan by having that invasion that flotilla. of, of yes. fl that, that armada of fishing vessels show up. And it provided, very conveniently, the government of Japan with, or at least the, the cabinet and with this opportunity to say, okay, uh, you're in our debt. Mm -hmm. And the Chinese very openly and, and, and directly said, we don't want members of the cabinet to show up because that would be a provocation. And the Chinese, you know, they had already blown all their capital in, in this country with that. And they withdrew the ships and only a few members of the cabinet showed up at, the, at Yaskuni and were past the, the anniversary mm -hmm. with relatively right. little, you know, with, with actually a, a pulling back and a pulling away from uh, tensions. Has there ever been a day of commemoration where cabinet ministers did not visit Yaskuni? There was nearly the case during the first time Abe was, was prime minister. They, there, there was a really concerted attempt by the Abe administration to stay away. Mm -hmm. But it was when they came together at the noon time, they suddenly realized that not a single member of the cabinet had gone. And they quickly bundled Takaichi Sanai into a car and sent her because it was looking as though no one would show up in the first year that Abe was pr prime minister. Uh, he had also just lost an election and everything was completely confused and eventually he was to resign only a month later. Uh, but it was, it was touch and go there. Mm -hmm. uh, and before Abe, there were times. It's never been uh, entirely free of ministerial visits. Uh, though I have to think about what happened during the DBJ times, whether there was a time that a full minister was not there on the day itself, that might, there might be something there. I have to review that. In terms of, of visitations, the visitations were really minor. And just like last year, all women, mm -hmm. at least in terms of cabinet ministers. Last year, all women. This year, the same. In this year, Marukawa, who is the minister for the Olympics, and Takaichi, who was the one who went a few years earlier, ago, uh, they showed up, but no other members of the cabinet were. And if Inada Tomomi, Right, the other female member of the, the cabinet, cabinet had, didn't show been in, up. had been in the country, she would have been the third. Uh -huh. But because she's defense minister, and, and this uh, on a provocative, militarized level right. now. She's and now, not only that, but her views with regard to the, the, her recollection of what happened during the war. And, and history and, and, right. and all these matters. She conveniently had to go on a trip. An to, important trip, wasn't it? Yes, conveniently had to go to Djibouti. Mm -hmm. Desert part of Africa in what is probably the hottest part of the year. Probably not the best time to go. Okay, a political play, but I think it was actually pretty clever for the prime minister to send her off so that it just at least diminishes the potential impact that that would have caused. She was going to definitely show up. She has indeed her own special diet group called Tradition and Innovation, mm -hmm. which has as one of its major foci the joint visit 
outside the Minna de group, the, they have a, a special small group that she has that go to Yaskuni and she, make a big deal about she it. She goes regularly. She goes regularly. She has ever, ever since she's been elected to the Diet. This is the first one that she's missed, mm-hmm. and that was it was it was just too provocative seemingly, and this need for her to go in and inspect Japan's only overseas military base at this time was cooked up and she was sent off. She went off gleefully. She was loved the attention that her departure caused and then there were all these people there all the news organizations were all covering her departure. She was bathing in the glory mm-hmm. of it and, and and in a way that was actually uh, not entirely uh, she's going to get an earful when she comes back uh, for her ostentatious display of glee at leaving with all this attention on her. But we avoided having mm-hmm. the Minister of Defense show up, which would have been seen lo- locally, that is to say, in the, in the East Asian region, as a provocative act. Right. Well, we're past that. But the thing is, you're, you're right. The Chinese are not making such a big deal about it. The South Koreans are not necessarily making a big deal about it. Of course, you can always say that the South Koreans weren't fighting in the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were... Mem- they were Occupied, occupied. They were, they were annexed to, to to Japan. They were, in fact, participants in the war as fighters on the Japanese side. Mm, not necessarily voluntarily. Well, right. Not necessarily in a way that was the, that was highly agreeable to right. all of them. Right. Yes. Uh, nevertheless, I think that the history issue, the air is going out of it. It really is, and you can sense that. I mean, you were there personally. Um, it's kind of like the Eagles making one more tour, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah, without Glenn Fry. Right. Uh, it's it's just it's it's we, yeah. It's, it's going it, to its place it, in in history where it probably belongs. And when I was there, one of it was striking to me was how indeed how old the few remaining persons who are actually have personal relationships with mm-hmm. those who are enshrined there how old they are and and how unlikely it is they'll be going to any more of these commemorative sure. events i mean they have they're you know if you wanted to 71 you, years 71 years uh you would have to be at 90 or close to it to have a direct connection mm-hmm. uh at that point a walk across a, a good part of tokyo in what is 35 degree weather in the middle of august is not going to be happening, right? And uh, but even the people who have as their organizing principle uh, the whatever Nippon Kaigi, for example, Nippon Kaigi, for right. example. I, w- I went and I met with a few Nippon Kaigi members who were whom I knew at Yasukuni, and we ex- exchanged pleasantries, and they talked about how things were and what it looked like in terms of turnout for them, they were saying, well, there's plenty more turnout going. And I said, yeah, well, it looks like the, the same number as every year. Uh, but even them, they were, you know, they're getting old too. Mm-hmm. Sure. And at that point, it's, it's really quite the nostalgia act. Mm-hmm. And I did not see, when I went two years ago, there were a lot of families with strollers and kid, very small children. Not so many this time. Mm. True, it was on a Monday, and that may have been the one of the differences. Right. Uh, but 
yes, there were people of all walks of life, people of dressed in various ways, but the speeches and that I that I was listening to, everything is just mm-hmm. slowing down, toning down, and I guess that's just because it's turning into history. Right. Everybody watches to see if the prime minister shows up. He didn't show up this year, but he also sent a delegate to contribute a, an offering on his behalf. Yeah, but this year it wasn't Hagyu the Koichi, who was raised in status in terms of his job, uh, that he, ha- he used to be simply a adv- special advisor to the prime minister. Now he's a, he's a deputy uh, chief cabinet secretary. He is. He had been the uh, the delivery boy, you know, just to be to be frank and, and mm-hmm. vulgar, for whatever it is that Mr. Abe wanted to send to the Yaskuni, both in in the summer and also in the spring and autumn festivals. He's moved up in status. The Abe sent someone else, mm. load and. Anishimura sensei. Yeah, Anishimura sensei. But his, still, his status is quite low. Yeah, it's rising. I mean, this is a signal of his rising uh, status within the party. That's right. It's a signal of his rising status, but nevertheless, that there is a position in the government, once you achieve it, that you are no longer really eligible to be the delivery person mm-hmm. that you were before. And, and Hagiuda clearly has risen above that rank. Well, some people would say that's a, a sign of, of terif- terrific honor to go to Yasukuni on behalf of the prime minister to offer something that the prime minister has taken out of his own pocket. I mean, this isn't, these, these are not state funds. This is the prime minister going through a delegate. Yeah, but the thing is, is that it's really not what Prime Minister Abe wants to be doing, but he does it in order to not further inflame sure, sure. The, the region. But my feeling is that even if he goes, it's just not what it was. Well, maybe next year um, he might take that leap. If Since next year, it's 2017, he's still in office as president of the LDP. I think it's a little early, but clearly in 2018, when he's mm-hmm. either about to be reappointed or if he's in his final glory year running around the track to the cheers of thousands, or maybe a few hundred, who knows, uh, maybe he'll go then. Next year, a little early. Okay. Maybe it's a little bit inside baseball, but frequently when the ministers go, they sign their names. I mean, everybody signs the, the visitation book. Mm-hmm. They sign either on behalf of themselves as a, an individual, or they use their title as minister of state. Yeah. So Abe himself, when he sent his offering, he sent his offering as president of the LDP, not as prime minister. Mm-hmm. However, Minister Takaichi, she signed herself in as, as minister of state. Min- I am... You know, Takaichi Sanae, I Sanae Takaichi, I am Minister of General Affairs and Communications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's true. The the mystery here is Marukawa, because she's the Olympics minister. Uh, it's 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 becoming very unclear what purpose she's serving or what Mr. Abe was thinking about when mm-hmm. he rewarded sure. her. Of course she's been a loyalist to him, but She's already in bad water, or at least with bad blood, with uh, Koike Yuriko, the new governor, having uh, campaigned against her election, uh, that is, Koike's election as governor. Now, on the international stage, she's the one, she's one of the cabinet members who goes. As Olympics minister, she has to be the one who is going to be dealing most directly with the issue of the arrival in Japan of 
North Koreans, South Koreans, and Chinese. And to be on the register as a commuter, mm -hmm. at Yaskuni, seems to me a bit bizarre. Right. Well, probably, I don't know if this is actually accurate, but it's a softer, gentler approach and trying to diminish the importance that Yasukuni projects to, you know, Southeast Asian countries who are opposed to visits by the government at Yasukuni. But it's a weird kind of sexism that if women go to Yasukuni, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the new pattern within the Abe administration. I know it's uh, maybe it's a flip version of womanomics, right. uh, but it's a very peculiar thing. It's maybe that incremental step going forward so that it just kind of closes this this wound up so that we can move forward. But then, you know, what is it the opposite of? Mm -hmm. If a man goes, that means Japan's a militaristic power and we cannot be trusted. I don't, I don't really understand the thinking, right. except that if it's a woman, it's okay. Japan observes the 71st anniversary of the end of the Pacific War. A lot goes on at this commemoration that sends signals to us. We're watching it. There's still a little bit of confusion about what all of this means. Stay tuned, we're gonna be following up on it. Welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. People often ask how the economy is going in Japan. Just this week, the government released GDP figures for this last quarter. It's looking like they just missed the bullet. Well, they missed everyone's expectations and there was a great deal of consternation that, well, okay. We're in what is now the third year of Abenomics. Things should be kicking in. They should be there, kicking. there are international headwinds, but the policy mix is right, and eventually, no. Right. We, we got a, a, a very poor reading on, in terms of an annualized of 0.2%. Uh, that basically means that the economy did not grow from quarter to quarter between the, the first and the second. And that's not where we're supposed to be. That's not what you're supposed to have right. after having one of the greatest expansions of the Bank of Japan's book of any bank that is central bank that has ever attempted. When you have uh, relatively small but still significant fiscal pa packages, and we're supposed to have all kinds of spin-off effects from the third arrow reforms. We're not seeing anything from right. that, and that has been a real disappointment. And just to, just as we were coming on to do this recording, the government released its trade figures, and that's really someplace where everything is going wrong. We have the headwinds of the, the yen is now where, where we're sitting right now. It's about 100 to the dollar. We've seen the, the yen rise in value over this in this spring and in this into this summer, so that that's constricting exports, and we're just nowhere near. In fact, the, the, the figures are quite shocking. The uh, exports fell by 14%, I believe. And at that point, we're talking about significant losses of economic growth potential. Right, to of Toyota course, made a, a significant hit. Yeah, the, all the autos are getting hit very right. badly due to the, the high yen and the slowdown in China. So that whatever our hopes are regarding mm -hmm. the Japanese economy, the world seems to be 
you know, the, the, the article in, that came out in the middle of the week was Japan can't catch a break. Right. And certainly that's the way it looks. Well, the IMF has also thrown in uh, their two cents and said uh, Abenomics just isn't working. Well, it just isn't working, that it isn't doing what is necessary. The IMF has its own bugbears, of course, and things that it will do, what, wants a country to do and what, what it doesn't. Everyone's talking, however, about what all these bad figures mean for the fiscal stimulus package. Right. And that fiscal stimulus package was passed by the cabinet. It hasn't been made into actual legislation yet, but it, it has been approved by the cabinet back a few weeks ago. Now, what what's in that stimulus package, it's a huge number, but the, the actual fraction that is real new spending is about one third or, or one quarter of the total announced value of 26 trillion. The government is really running up against its own promises. It's used so many tricks, it doesn't have many tricks left. There aren't that many tricks left, and one of the most disturbing aspects of that is we know that the bond market is entirely bought out by the BOJ, mm -hmm. and that there is a situation where the BOJ is basically the only buyer of Japanese bonds. It's a great buyer because it says that it, it will buy everything that you have for, for sale, which is great if you want to make a few extra yen here and there. You know you have a guaranteed buyer. But it's also becoming the main stockholder of Japan. It is now the main right. stockholder of many of Japan's largest companies. And that is really kind of disturbing that assets of all kinds. Yes, of course, when you're doing quantitative easing, you do have to buy assets of various kinds, but the bond market is compromised and now the equities markets are right. becoming compromised. My concern is what is what happens on the day that Mr. Kuroda says, well, we've bought enough, that's an it. <laughs> you know? what, is going, what is the value of a bond? What is the value of, an, of, of a share? When there's that one buyer who was buying everything walks away from the mm -hmm. market. Right. Well, fiscal policy is one of the pillars of supporting the, the economy. Well, it better be since the monetary is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. But the other engine is personal consumption, which seems to be flat. Well, personal consumption is something that everyone has been talking about. If we can only get the Japanese to spend, well, geez louise, uh, there are 200 to 300,000 fewer Japanese per year, and you're wor working against a significant headwind. You're right. losing 300,000 customers per year through natural attrition, otherwise known as they die. <laughs> okay, we don't have that many Japanese being born, right. and we have a huge lump of this group of people who were born immediately after World War II, right. who are now retiring or, in this case, passing on. And we had a net loss of almost 300,000 last year. We're going to have that going on for year after year. Mm -hmm. And if you lose 300,000 customers a year, your businesses are just simply not going to be able, first of all, to sell anything, but they're also not going to be able to raise their prices. Right. Well, the other component here are Wages. I mean, Japanese wages have not risen significantly in the last 15 years. Well, the, 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 and it's certainly under Abenomics, you would have thought with everything that, that has, has happened that this would be the age when people's wages would be, would be climbing. But the overall income of all Japanese workers 
despite the fact that many more people are working, particularly women, right. than, bef- than were before, and with all of the monetary stimulus, actual nominal, gr- and that, that, that takes into effect the monetary expansion, actual nominal take-home pay has not budged an iota right. under Abenomics. Mm-hmm. They're pushing against a really, really, it's like a brick wall. One of the stars of economic development here in Japan, though, are, is tourism. And tourism had a big, with the big announcement that we had a 19% rise in, in tourist arrivals in July as com- of this last of the 2016 as compared to 2015. Fantastic, wonderful, great. Right. Uh, they are not spending They're as not much. spending as much because of the, the yen, though. They're not spending as much because of the yen. They're also, the, uh, the big China boom seems to be petering out. Mm-hmm. We see right. uh, retailers like Laox, the, the electronics uh, giant, that, in fact, tilted itself toward the, the Chinese market in a big way, they're taking huge losses. And this Bakugai phenomenon of, of buying things en masse, it actually changed the physical structure of some of the, the retailers. Where I, I buy some of my uh, electronics at Yamada Denki. It's inexpensive. It's here, in, at least here in Tokyo. They completely changed their floor plans. They used to have big video screens on the first floor mm-hmm. when you walked in. They moved those all upstairs because that was not what the Chinese were here to buy. It was all personal health care products. And rice ne- cookers. And things like that are on the floor. Toiletries. Yeah. Rice cookers. On right. when, when you walk in to a, an electronics store, the, the rice cookers would be there rather than on the sixth floor. Was a, What's happened? And he realized... It's Chinese money. Well, that's going to all have to be re-undone. That we have this growth, yes, but it's stagnant again. Analysts have predicted for GDP to grow this year by 0.7%. This is our second quarter. We're at 0.2%. They really need to get the act going if they're going to meet those numbers in the next remaining two quarters. And there's really no way to do it. The main weaknesses are personal consumption and corporate investment. There is simply no lever that the government has that can push on either of those Mm -hmm. two things. There can be more government spending, but already we're pushing the limits as to the effectiveness of that. And there's no Spin-off effects. There mm-hmm. are no. There's no. There's no leverage that you get out of the extra spending. Right. It's just maintaining the size of the economy, but at a cost of someday it'll have to be paid back by somebody because it's being fueled by debt. Okay. In the next quarter, we can anticipate that there will be another blip, a positive blip on the GDP numbers. But what comes after that is really a question. Please stay tuned. We're going to be watching this very carefully. Welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Okinawa is back in the news. The government has sued and been countersued by the Okinawa prefectural government to cease the construction of a heliport in Henneko and to close the marine facilities in Futema. This has been going on for way farther than 12 years. They've had an agreement, the Japanese government, the US government, nothing's happened. Well, the thing is, is that something else is happening and that is the United States made a proposal to return a large parcel of land in the northern section of, of, of the uh, island of Okinawa. And in return, it had to construct some helipads that, that 
replace ones that would be part of this return. Okay, we're not talking about Fatema now. No, we're talking about, about farther north in the jungle this areas. Isn't, this isn't, yeah, this is the training areas. And the construction of those helipads has become basically a, a low-scale war mm -hmm. between activists and local activists and government. And when I say government, this is not the... The police forces of Japan are organized on a prefectural basis. It's not, there's no national police force. There's a national police agency, which has its, its offices in uh, Kasumigaseki, but the policing of Japan is on a prefectural basis. However, in terms of this construction, units from all over Japan, from all kinds of different prefectures, are sending their special anti-riot gear carrying police officers to one, this one site called Takai. That sounds vaguely familiar though. I mean, 71 years ago. Yeah, no, it's not, but it's not vaguely familiar. This is, this is, this, this reminds me something of what happened in terms of the building of Narita airport, mm -hmm. where there had to be thousands of police officers, which had to be requisitioned from all over the country. In order to handle the protesters and the protests that are happening at Takai, there are now police being brought in in order to deal with this. And the thing is, it, you don't see it on the evening news mm -hmm. here. It's it's it, a bit of a sideshow, but it's really critical, isn't it? It's really critical because it maintains and, in, and creates this atmosphere where it's Okinawa versus the mainland. Sure. And the mainland is oppressing us, mm -hmm. and it's sending oppressors here to, to put us down. Right. And that kind of rhetoric and that kind of vision has completely changed the political situation on Okinawa that makes it almost impossible, if not indeed sure. impossible, for the court system to even sort this matter out. Because the court system tried and, and maybe still is trying to have the central government and the Okinawan government talk their way. To mediate to, their way through it, to talk about it, right? I mean, in fact, they, they stopped the court proceedings and said, you guys talk about it and come back to us with a recommendation. And that, okay, the House of Counselors election is over. They bought time. They bought time. And guess what? The LDP lost all of its seats in including a sitting minister, Shimajiri, right. lost her seat in Okinawa. There are no LDP they lost national legislators from Okinawa. Boom, you're gone. It's now an extremely polarized situation between the island and the mainland. And the chief cabinet secretary also ignited a firestorm by saying this economic development money that is earmarked for Okinawa, maybe there's a tie to... Um, you accommodating us on the Fatema issue. Okay, so now we have to sort of put this all together. The, there is a minister who's in charge of dealing with Okinawa, supposedly, whose name is Tsuruho. He was just appointed. Uh, he has taken as, or has it has been suggested to him, that Shimajiri, who was the minister before... Uh, from be, Okinawa. From Okinawa, who is Okinawan, be his special advisor. And in fact, that was confirmed two days ago. Not she a bad was, idea. It's a disastrous idea. She's, she's, I, she's, she's not up to snuff, but she's a, an Okinawan and she can be put into that place. And she supposedly knows what she's doing, but she, of course, we know that she doesn't because she can't pronounce anyway. The northern 
territories. That's a whole other kettle of fish. But nevertheless, there's that. At the same time, the chief cabinet secretary, Suga, is also in charge of Okinawan mm-hmm. affairs. That's right. And to talk about, okay, we're going to cut your development budget unless we see some surrender of some sort in terms of Henoko, whether it's from Tsuruho, whether it's from Suga, it's always going to be explosive. Sure. But the, the, the Okinawa situation is not under control. It's just off the radar of mm-hmm. most people. Well, it's becoming a little bit like a, a, a side circus. Did not the prime minister's wife actually visit the place not leaning support, but I mean, to see and for herself what's going on there. She went to a protest village on a personal trip and w- supposedly without telling her husband beforehand or anybody else and was hosted by actually one of the activist groups and, and uh, one of the candidates who had run for a, a House of Councillors seat in the Tokyo district did not win, but he was one of the, the he's one of the far left groups. Uh, Really bizarre. She comes back and she she puts it up on Facebook. I went and I talked and I I did this for world peace and and security. And you wonder that must have been a very interesting dinner that evening right. at the Abe household. Well, she was actually asked point blank, "Have you talked to your husband about this? And if you haven't, what are the repercussions going to be?" And she said, "Well, I'll just take those hits when they come." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talk about Japanese politics all the time because it's so interesting and. And not not wacky, but it's just a lot of things come at you counterintuitively, and this is one of those examples. Well, the, the, it really asks about you know what is it that the Abe administration is in charge of, mm-hmm. uh, and what is it trying to say to the rest of the world, right. where the first lady of the country can go to the anti-government protesters and visit with them, and without having or thinking that it would be a good thing to tell somebody ahead of time, right. you know, this is what I'm going to do. And what does it mean? Right. You know, what, what does this all mean? Are, are, does it really mean that, that Mr. and Mrs. Abe don't talk about what they're doing on, what, where are you going today, dear? Uh, <laughs> I'll let you know later. I'll, I'll tell you. Watch my <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be a good, that would be a good household conversation. I saw on Facebook that you went to Okinawa today. Pass the, <laughs> pass the potatoes. <laughs> But in all seriousness, the situation in Okinawa is going from bad to worse. They have no basic advocates in the central government. The the feelings there are just becoming more and more polarized, more and more radicalized. And it draws in, of course, the Japan-U.S. alliance because so much of the United States' forces are on Okinawa mm-hmm. and all of the plans and everything that has to be done in order to make the Japan-US alliance more viable and, and broader and deeper is the, are the, the adjectives they like to use, all involve land issues on Okinawa. Mm-hmm. And if those are flashpoints locally and the situation gets out of control, it's already out of control, but it's not been featured on the evening news. It's not yep. been featured on the newspapers, except some of them with, a, with an agenda. The functioning of the U.S. alliance in Japan is threatened. This is really an interesting dynamic, though. I mean, the governor of Okinawa, 
comes to Tokyo. He sits with the prime minister. They have a brief meeting. He goes over to the LDP. He speaks with uh, the secretary general as well and gets an audience. This story about you know the economic development for Okinawa. I mean, it's one of the, it is the poorest prefecture of the forty eight prefectures in Japan. And it's the one with the highest level of, of single unemployment. Mo- unemployment, single mothers, all kinds of indications of longest lifespan. Yeah. Nagano has actually has actually pipped it in 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 one, at least I think for the men. Okay. Uh, so uh, the uh, it's it's an interesting place in and of itself, but it is dependent upon the mainland for funding mm-hmm. and development. So we think if indeed the Abe administration goes forward and and uses the iron hammer of right. cutting the budget for Okinawa, they've never done that before. Well, even if they do it, it's just going to radicalize right. them even sure. more, and which will make it very hard to turn around and go to Washington and say, we can do this, we can do this, right. we can do this, because we have everybody on Japan on our team. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. Right. You cannot do these things. And when the U.S. side has plenty of assets in Naha, also in the U.S. Embassy here, they all know exactly what the score is, so that... Even if the Japanese embassy in, in Washington or someone sent from Tokyo does this wonderful presentation, they'll nod and say, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. We've heard that. Yes. And the, the entire edifice crumbles. So what we're looking at in terms of the conflicts that are happening and this lawsuit or pair of lawsuits, this each side suing the other over Henneke, that's not going to go away. Mm. An incredibly difficult and complex issue. We follow it all the time because it's so important in the U.S.-Japan relationship and also the Japan relationship with the southern island of Okinawa. Please stay tuned. It's really important to keep on top of this. Welcome back. Yuriko Koike is now the governor of Tokyo. She will be leaving for Rio to receive the Olympic flag at the closing ceremonies and returning it to Tokyo which will host the 2020 Olympics, a big deal for us. She is on a high horse now, and she published an editorial in the Japan Times in English, I think she probably penned it herself, talking about how she's gonna shake things up. I was really taken aback. I mean, she's started out already with a terrible relationship with all kinds of individuals, not just the Olympics minister who campaigned against Koike Yuriko. This is Minister Marukawa. Uh, we have a problem there, but her much bigger problem is with the Tokyo Assembly, which really gave her the cold shoulder mm-hmm. when she tried to meet with them in her first week in office after winning decisively in an election. They showed absolutely, particularly the LDP, showed absolutely no openness to her, and in fact, insulted her by sending out lower-level officials mm-hmm. to meet with her rather than top-level. She's starting out that way. She, what is her purpose in actually taking it to a higher level and taking it outside the country by writing in English? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But she's talking about, in the, the op-ed, about going through the budget and looking for fraud and waste. Yes, of course, it's very important. And we've had, for many, many iterations, there is this problem with cities that host the Olympics. Usually that's a precursor to a national economic crisis or at least the bankruptcy of a city. Uh, Ever since the 76 Montreal Olympics, 
every city has been trying to avoid spending a lot of money on every country, but with very few exceptions, perhaps the 1984 LA Olympics is the only exception, it has been an absolute sinkhole. Right. So yes, she has, she's, she has a certain basis for going after preemptively waste, fraud, and abuse. But wow, you were already in, in, in very poor relations with the Tokyo Assembly. And she's hinted that the problem is in the Tokyo Assembly and that they have special, made some special deals with all kinds of contractors and that the prices have been inflated because of cozy relationships. Wow, what a way to really say, hi, I'm here. <laughs> There's a new sheriff in town. I just hope she has the, the guns in her holsters. I actually uh, read her editorial a little bit differently, and I was, I was, you know, waving the flag because, you know, I think if we focused a little bit on, on the Tokyo uh, Assembly, like we do on national politics here on Tokyo on Fire, we might find something akin to the Chicago situation, where, in fact, graft corruption is rampant in city city dealings. And I think, you know, the Olympics just kind of triggers that. that it pulls that out of um, just the natural tendency to want to feather your own nest when you're on top of the pile that's deciding how, you know, budgets are done or, or bids are awarded. I don't have that view of, of, of politics. Politics is about interest groups. It's about putting together coalitions of people who support you and you pay those people back. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you, you're not going to have anyone support you. It's natural that there is a quid pro quo, that there is a little bit of feather bedding or, right. or lining one's nest, if you want to put it that way. Because it's politics. Because it's politics. Right. To come out with a holier-than-thou attitude, first of all, she comes out of the LDP herself. So she's obviously... Kind of. Yeah, she's yeah. kind of. Okay, she's, she's been, you know, again, she's the iron butterfly. She's been flitting from one party to the next. To come out immediately with this attitude that I'm going to clean up this town. First of all, you're saying that the town's dirty. Problem number one. But two, who are your allies? Mm -hmm. Who, I mean, sure, they, she did well. She did incredibly well. She didn't do just well. I mean, she got more than a million extra votes than her closest competitor. Yes, but I don't know if that's enough, quite frankly. Yes, it's an attitude that's in the Koizumi, Junichiro Koizumi mode. I have the people behind me. They vote for me. I can turn them. And you, members of whatever, the parliament or the legislature or the assembly, you have better listened to what yeah. I say because I have the people behind me. That's really presumptuous on her part, I think. Yes, the, she has data. She won by over a million votes. But are they really all voting for her to clean up the town? Did they, did they think that the town was dirty to start off with? Mm -hmm. Or there's just, you know, maybe they voted for her because she'd be the first woman governor. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. But I think she does have a tremendous amount of momentum behind her, and I think she's just trying to capture the flag. It's not just the Olympics. It's also where Skiji will be re relocated or where this Korean school will be. She's, yeah, I mean, she's are, really yeah, accepted are, a lot of challenges, very are, significant ones. The, the idea that we, there is some problem with Skiji, for example, for those, we should maybe backtrack and explain that the world-famous market of 
fish and wholesaling that, that goes on there that is famous all, the, all over the world for the, the tuna auction that happens, which is now actually they're finally keeping tourists out in order to prevent contamination. It took them a long time to figure that one out. Right. Uh, you know, people tromping in and out and touching and, and looking and stepping around with the fish. Maybe there might be some kind of transfer of diseases and such things. It took them t- way too long to come No, to I that. think, I mean, this is a, a sidebar. Yeah, but. the sidebar to that. But nevertheless, that entire entity is going to be closed down and replaced with a new facility, brand new facility, closer to the airport at Toyosu. And whatever Japanese may say about, oh, the wonderful local fish, very little of Japan's seafood is local, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of it is in, indeed flown in. in and thus, the sh- shrinking the distance between the wholesale market and the airport is a, is a smart thing. Now, when they converted the Toyosu area from warehouses and refineries to the modern site, of course, they found a lot of toxic chemicals, a lot of industrial pollution there. It had been an industrial site. They dug out all the dirt, they replaced it, but still there is a, a sizable group of people who don't want to move from Tsukiji and who have made a big stink, so to speak, mm-hmm. about the possibility that there are still toxic chemicals at the Toyosu site. And she latched on to that and said that she would make sure, because it's all part of this cleaning up the, the, the town message, that she would make sure that it's safe. Right. Okay, it's gonna if 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 she does anything material, it's going to really mess up the transfer, which has been in the planning for a very long time and is supposed to be put into play mm-hmm. now. Uh, that she's going to try to to bring in her investing. four years left before the Tokyo Olympics come. The site of the Skiji market today is supposed to be the press center. Any kind of delay in anything is 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 just begging for trouble. And right. she comes in begging for trouble. And mm-hmm. I'm really concerned about I'm that. Con- I'm concerned too, but you can tell she is a woman on a mission. She has set her sights very high and she might be setting herself up for a fall or she might in fact succeed in making Tokyo one of the most magnificent cities in the world. I would like to be believe that, but there's a part of Yuriko Koike which is not the uh, person, she's not on the high horse. In the editorial that she published, she absolutely stabs Masazoi Yoichi, Yoichi Masazoi, the previous governor, in an unnecessary way uh, over his financial issues that caused him to finally mm-hmm. give up the governorship. Easy target. Easy target, cheap. Cheap shot. And you, if you're going to come in as the moral exemplar, you have to be on a higher level. You can't take those. You lose, you save you give that to a, an underling. She still is holding on to it. And if mm-hmm. you go back through her English language productions which she, these editorials that she's written for Project Syndicate, there are so many of these unnecessary stabs uh-huh. in the back, in the side, in the face, what whatever to all these persons who opposed whatever it was that she was for that you have a sense if she needs to put together the, the city, uh-huh. but she has this tendency to knock people down or knock people from behind that's going to really put her in a very precarious position. Well, diminishing your enemies and, you know, coalescing your forces, it's been done in the Abbey administration very successfully. I, I disagree. 
Well, look at the tightness of the cabinet and the longevity of the prime minister and his uh, chief cabinet secretary and members of the, the cabinet, the finance minister, for example. But what is the team around Yuriko Koike? Oh, no, this, this is in the formation stages. We don't know yet. That's why it's so interesting to watch this, because is she setting herself up for a fall or is she really going to continue this momentum? She's a lone wolf. She doesn't have a following. They're talking about her forming a new party, but they talk about it in the, the context of a three-city party with her at the poll in Tokyo, Kawamura Takeshi in Nagoya, and whoever it is that's in charge of Osaka Ishin, whether right. it's Matsui or Hashimoto, whoever is really in charge there, that this would be a new cities-based national party. They, there is no core set of people around her. It's just the disaffected and the angry. But that's not good enough if you're going to be running this town. You never know. It might be just creating something out of whole cloth. Her election as governor was out of left field. She took the initiative. She took the challenge and she won by a significant margin. Winning and running government are two Agreed. different things. Can we agree on that? Yes, absolutely. She has to run a government now. And her methods and her attitude, I think, are really dangerous. If you wonder why we filmed Tokyo on Fire, this is precisely why. These kinds of issues are important to follow, to put them in a historical context, and watch how they develop into the future. Please stay tuned. Welcome back. Not only this week did we acknowledge the 71st anniversary of the end of the Pacific War, but an organization of student activists also closed shop and decided to disband. The Student Emergency Action for Liberal Democracy, SEALDS, but in Japanese, SHIELDS, so it, it had a nice ring to it. Uh, they said, we're, we're giving up, mm -hmm. and we're going to give up on the August 15th anniversary, and they did just that. They, they put out videos and put out Twitter commentaries and everything, just, but it's over. And... This group that came together to fight the security legislation and to, in a certain way do a, try to do some backfill in terms of the legislation on the Secrecy Act, they're gone. Right. The significance of SEALDS, though, is twofold. Number one, it was a student-led organization and it tried to pull in younger people into the political process and I think in that part they were very effective. The second significant thing is that they showed the opposition parties that by being a part you're never going to be able to address this huge juggernaut which is the LDP on this security legislation we need to band together and that although they weren't successful for the security legislation the opposition parties did band together for this last election and it was very significant that shields was able to take the rather decrepit anti-security legislation protests and energize them they did a huge job didn't they, they did a fantastic job instead of making it all these people who had been activists in the 60s who were worried about changes they made it a story about Japan and about people, our future, our future, everyone's future in terms of the security legislation and were there night after night, day after day. Those young folks took a chance because you and I know if you are not actively working toward getting a good position in a corporation during that time period you're in college, right. 
that's what your college education is for. It's not for you to develop intellectually. Don't notice that Waseda University. <laughs> I did not say that. Uh, but it's not necessarily a time for education, but a time for basically grooming yourself for the corporate world. You want to be big blue. Yes, right. You want to join the, the you want to join. You want Dentsu to hire you. You want to work for the major corporations. That's right. And you 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 may have blonde hair when you go into college, but you're going to have black hair when you go into the interview. Right. That whole thing, they put that aside. And that's a huge sacrifice. Right. And extremely dangerous to their overall uh, higher ability, and indeed, the leaders of the Seals Group say, you know, basically, we've shot ourselves in the foot in terms of our ever being recruited for anything because our names and our faces are well known, and we're known as radicals mm -hmm. and people who don't agree and don't get along and who protest. Right. Who's going to hire us? We, you know, we're in, we're in deep, deep bat guano, <laughs> uh, and it's true. In socially and in terms of, of career moves, this was really an unwise decision. Nevertheless, they took that path. And they took it for as far as they could. They did bring a new life to the protests, so much so that basically the government had to shut down the process of discussing the uh, security legislation because it was losing the argument. Mm -hmm. And they just used their raw numbers inside the diet to pass the legislation and get it done. Well, they knew that that was the end result anyway. That was, they they had that, the numbers. They had the numbers, but the, the protests were effectively eroding right. support. Vote for, with your conscience, not with your party. Listen to what you're doing. You know, Don't pass this security legislation. And, and the, the moribund opposition saw life there. Yes. And suddenly you saw the secretary generals, you saw the, the policy research, research council heads of all the opposition parties showing up at the rallies and taking the microphone from the, the shields who were passing it to them. Yeah, here, here, and he, look who's here. And they right. pass it on. Suddenly we had something going. And yes, they were basically the, uh, the, the midwives, if you mm -hmm. want, of, or of the birth of the unified alliance now that we see of the opposition parties that we've seen happen twice, first in the House of Councilors election, well, actually three times. We had the, the by-elections for the House of Representatives, where it was fairly successful. House of Councilors was quite successful and completely unsuccessful in the last case of the Tokyo governor's race. But nevertheless, we have this mm -hmm. structure and we have the shields to basically to thank for it. A student organization that became famous around the world for its opposition to Japan's security legislation has disbanded this week. Stay tuned. Let's see what happens with them.